Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. It's my pleasure tonight to introduce our speaker, our lead pastor, Joe Source. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. How are we doing tonight? Good, good. We're doing good. Yes? Yes. Good. You came here tonight to learn some things? To catch some things from the Holy Spirit? Um, I'm here tonight because I I believe that uh, God has a message for us tonight. Um, Probably more than one, because how the Holy Spirit operates is um, there is a unique group of people that are gathered here tonight. We probably never have had the same exact individuals in this room at the same time, may not ever again. And see, the Holy Spirit is very much aware of that. The Holy Spirit is the wisdom of God, and uh, he knows all things. Okay, so he knows exactly where you're at tonight. He knows exactly what seat you're in. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly what you need to prepare you for tomorrow, for next week, for next month, next year, the rest of your life. And so uh, let's trust the Holy Spirit together tonight to reveal what needs to be revealed, to accentuate what needs to be accentuated, emphasize what needs to be emphasized in your particular life. I learned this a long time ago. No matter what church you go to, there's thousands and thousands of churches all throughout our country and all throughout the world, all different flavors, all different personalities, all different styles of teaching, styles of worship, style of buildings. There's some buildings with stained glass windows and others like us. We try to keep everything very very minimal so that the focus is on the Word and and on the presence of the Holy Spirit. But if you train yourself, if you train your soul, You will never leave any church service, no matter where it is, without receiving something. Because if you trust the fact that the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you need, knows exactly where you are in life, knows exactly what struggles you may be going through, uh, or he knows what you're going to be facing in the future, then you can trust him that he's going to tell you something, impress something upon you, impart something. Let's talk about that for for a minute before I get into, into my notes for tonight and Hopefully, at some point in this month, we're going to actually get into the series. Um, Sometimes we forget that one of the activities of the Holy Spirit is to impart things. Impart, maybe um, he might drop a seed in you of something that's going to happen in the future. He may drop some type of equipment inside you that you don't even realize is happening. And so it's important for us to come together as believers. It's extremely important because it's in this atmosphere usually that that happens. Like, again, going back to what I said before, any service you go to, any teaching, any Bible study, anything along those lines, you can have... You can be in an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is just depositing things. You know, he's called the spirit of grace because he imparts the grace of God. The Holy Spirit kind of hovers over our lives. Now, you know, if we're believers, and and I I would believe that the majority, the greater majority of everyone that's here tonight has already made a, 
a declaration of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've already established that connection between you and our Father in heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you haven't, if you haven't established that relationship, if you haven't made that connection where your spirit has come alive unto God and he's very real to you, if you haven't experienced that yet, before you leave here tonight, we can take care of that. It's a very simple thing. We'll talk about it later. So, so sometimes what I want to say to you is just being in the very atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is, 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 is active and moving and teaching and, and speaking and, and just making real to us the presence of our Father in heaven, you can catch things. And sometimes you catch more by just being in an atmosphere than you actually do by, by listening to a message. And I'm not trying to downplay the teaching of the word, the teaching of the word is extremely important. But if you're not aware and if you're not actively believing on the inside, it's like you're standing there and a parade is going by and, and, and you're not really appreciating the band and not really appreciating the floats or anything. Like you're just, and it's just passing right by you. Don't let that happen to you. No matter what service, whether you come here on a Wednesday night or whether you go to any other church that's preaching the word, that's preaching the word, okay? That's preaching the word, okay? You're going to get something. But be believing on the inside. Be believing. I mean, for many, many years, when, when, before I pastored and was, was a member of a church, um, and they would have any type of uh, invitation to come forward for prayer. If I sensed on the inside that I needed to go, I'd go. I would just, and, and on my way up, I would say, I, on the inside, I would say, Father, I, I don't really know why I'm going up there. I feel like you're, you're tugging me to go up there. I don't really know why I'm going up there, but I'm trusting this, that something is going to get deposited in me that I possibly am going to need in the future. So my prayer tonight for us all, as I, as I get back here so I can get in my notes, my prayer tonight is that something that I share something that the Holy Spirit impresses upon you. Some, because, you know, I could be in a, in a portion of Scripture, and as I'm reading that portion of Scripture, the Holy Spirit might remind you of another Scripture that's connected to that. And then all of a sudden, you're, you're, now you're starting to put the pieces together. My prayer tonight is that you walk out of here receiving something that you're going to know in the future. That happened that Wednesday night. I know when I walked out of there, I felt like something dropped in me, something became very real to me, something, and I pray, as Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, and it's, he recorded this for us in Ephesians chapter 1, starting around verse 15 and going down to the end of that chapter. My prayer for all of us tonight is that God would grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. That the, can, we, can we get that scripture up there? I know I'm throwing this at you at the last minute. It's Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. That, um, that, that, that God would grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in, in what? In the knowledge of God, so that the eyes of our understanding, our spirit, the real, the real person who we are on the inside, can be enlightened, or I like to put it this way, illuminated with light. For what reason? that you and I would know what the hope of his call, it's his calling, what the hope of his calling is, okay? So what do we actually, when we pray that kind of a prayer, and if you ever want to pray for me, and you don't know how to pray, pray that prayer for me. Father, grant, no, you don't have to do it right now. You don't have to do it right now. Just, just if, if whenever God puts me on your heart, 
Just go ahead and say, Father, I pray that you would grant unto Pastor Joe the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge of God, that the eyes of his understanding would be enlightened, that he would know what the hope of his calling is. And then you can, you can pray the rest of that over me too because I, I, the rest of it's really good, okay? So let's, um, oh, you got it up there, okay? Uh, all right, let, let's stick with this. I, I got a feeling the Lord's gonna take us someplace with this tonight. Ever since I first heard that, this is Paul writing to the people in, in, in the church at Ephesus. Um, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, Next verse. I haven't stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Now, what version is this? And I'll tell you, can you give me the, and the New King James? I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of what? wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, knowledge of God. The eyes of your understanding, the, the real spirit man that you are on the inside, because who you are is not what we're looking at. When we get to heaven, don't look for a short, fat, ball guy. Okay? Because whatever hair I lost here, I'm going to pick up on the way up. Look for somebody, I, I'll settle for this hype, but look for somebody jacked with a full head of hair. <laughs> just, if, you, if you're not, you just look for the blue eyes, you'll recognize me. <laughs> that the eyes of, the under, of your understanding would be what? Enlightened. For what reason? For what reason? That you may know what is the hope of his calling. Here it goes now. What are the riches of the glory of his, his inheritance in the saints? Anytime you want to pray for anybody in your life and you don't know specifically how to pray, Pray this prayer because we need wisdom. We need revelation. Now, I'm talking about revelation in the word. I'm not talking about, well, pastor, three angels showed up in my room last night. One of them had a head like a skunk, and they gave me this message. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when the Holy Spirit reveals scripture to you when he opens your eyes to specific details in the word or maybe makes a connection to some other scripture in the word of God. And you start now formulating this, 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 for lack of a better way to describe it, this teaching that is specific to your life. And listen, don't sit there right now and say, well, I don't know if that could ever happen in my life. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. In 1 John chapter 2, I believe it is, it says that you have an unction, you have and anointing. Let me put it to you in plain language. You have the presence of the Holy Spirit inside you, and he teaches you all things. He lets you know what you need to know. And so if you have a problem when you sit down and read the scriptures, and I know you're all Bible students in here, right? You're all Bible students in here, right? You're all reading your Bibles. You're studying the Word. You're absorbing it. You're letting it become part of who you are, your belief system. And, and so sometimes you may come across an area that you're not real clear about. Say, Holy Spirit, you're the author of this book. You live in me. Teach me. Open my eyes. Pray that prayer for yourself. Grant unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Because if you have revelation and knowledge of God, you've got everything you need. Amen. 
Amen? All right, so let me get in here so I don't drift more tonight. Last week we started out, and I only got about three sentences into my, into my notes. We talked about the fact that, the, and, and this is all leading, this is all introduction leading up to us beginning a study in the book of Exodus. And we might even mention that word tonight. Uh, we might get to one of the, the beginning scriptures there. But last week we started out talking about the fact that the Bible is full of times and seasons of suffering. That's not always that way. There's times of rejoicing. There's times of celebration. There are times of peace. There are times of calm. There are times of comfort. But the Bible reflects real life. Okay, so you should not expect it to, you know, people of the Bible are full of fairy tales. No, it's very real. It's very real. The Bible just throws its plain life. If, what other book, what other book lets you know all the dirt on some of the characters in there? And you, so you find out about Samson, about his problem, okay? You find out about Abraham. Abraham is a liar, a conniver. He's always trying to make deals, but yet God still used him, okay? That, that, when a book is that honest, you know that it had to come from God. Because no human being would dare put that stuff in there about themselves, okay? So, so understand that. And so because it's real and it's a very practical, a practical book, it talks about times of suffering and stuff. And it's just like today, just in our everyday life. Now, life on earth is a journey with a beginning and an end. And in between those two dates is, is, is time full of adventure. We're going to find out in the book of Exodus that book of Exodus is a story about a journey, about a journey of a group of individuals, a group of people, um, very precious to God, but a group of very real individuals that got themselves in trouble a lot. Uh, they did some good things here and there, uh, and the best thing they could have done was just follow God and trust him. So last week I talked about a phrase, we suffer, we learn, we change. How many of you remember that? All right, let's say it together. We suffer, we learn, we change. Isn't that life? Life is that way. We're going to suffer some things. Hopefully, we're going to learn from them. So I don't want to spend too much time on that because we spent a lot of time on that last week, and you can listen to the message online. But it's time in our lives to start working on some of God's principles so we can build a foundation of stability. Now, God... Listen to the cries of the people of Israel for God knows how long. We know that they were, they, were, they were captives in a land. They lived in a land for at least 400 years. Some passages talk about 430 years. It seems to me that it, it, the, the total amount of years was 430 years, but it seems like possibly the first 30 years of that 430 were probably fairly peaceful, Joseph was still alive. We'll talk about that story later. Uh, so for the first 30 years, it probably wasn't too bad. And then the tables turned. Have you had a good season in your life, and all of a sudden one day you go, what the heck just happened? You know, and, and the tables turned. And so the tables turned, and now they become enslaved in an, an empire, the most powerful empire at that time. They become slaves and become free labor for, for the Egyptians. God is hearing their cries. Now, they've had, at this point, when Moses shows up on the scene, and again, we're going to talk about this again in more detail. I just want to form a foundation here. When, when Moses shows up on the scene, God has been listening to the cries of the Israelites now for hundreds of years. 
and he's wanting to bring stability. Say stability. stability. He's wanting to bring stability back into your lives because, see, he made a promise to their great, 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 great grandfather. He made a promise to Abraham that he would take care of Abraham's descendants. He did, God did a great work in Abraham's life, took him from a place where he was, called him out of a very familiar place, a very successful place, a place where he had a great reputation, was very well known, and brought him out to bring him to a place of stability. Now, on your journey to stability sometimes, there's going to be some ups and downs. Anybody ever have any ups and downs? Anybody have any, any, any uh, U-turns that you had to go through? Any fork in the road that you had to come? Okay, so, so, so it's, it's a wonderful journey through life, but it's, God has always wanted to establish stability, even stability in the midst of crisis, even stability in the journey while you're going. And honestly, the only way to experience stability, no matter what life is throwing at you, is for you to trust God every single day, no matter what it looks like, to just say, I don't know what's going on. I don't really know what this day is going to hold. I don't know how this is going to pan out, but I know this. Father, I trust you. You have my best interest in heart. And so even in the midst of turmoil, I can have stability. Because my stability and your stability is not founded in circumstances, whether they're good or bad. It's founded in a person. Amen? Do you know his name? Amen. That's right. So, we all want stability in our lives. Stability is going to be dependent upon a few key words that we can focus on. Reality, presence, and then victory. Reality. A reality check is when you and I come face to face with evidence in our own lives that we can't deny. And usually they're based on the choices that we ourselves have made. And honestly, it's time. First of all, who wants stability? Does anybody in here want stability? Okay, the ones that don't want, you won't want stability, you can, you can leave, you can be dismissed. <laughs> who wants stability in their lives? Who is tired of turmoil, upheaval, Chaos. Who likes chaos? Okay. So the only way that you and I are going to have some, some, some form of stability is if we understand the reality of certain things. That Now listen. Okay, now this is all going to, we're going to all tie this together when we actually get into the book of Exodus. Here's the reality that you and I need to face if we're going to have stability in our lives. That it's a good possibility, a good possibility, not always, but a good possibility that a lot of the turmoil, a lot of the chaos, a lot of the upheaval that we're experiencing in life is our fault. Not always, but the majority of times. Well, pastor, you don't know what such and such a person did to me. Okay, uh, you got a point, because sometimes we do become subject, we are subject to other people's decisions, especially the closer the person is to you, the more you're going to be affected by their decisions. You listening? Listen. Um, 
when you have no relationship with someone, you don't really value their opinion, so whatever they say, you could care less. Well, we should be that way anyway. Some of us, some of us get entrapped, and we get people put their hooks in us, and, and then we start worrying about what they think. And I, I, the greatest illustration I always go back to when I think of stuff like this is many years ago, gosh, had to be 30 years ago, the church that I was a part of was doing a kind of an outreach. Some of you heard me tell this story. And it was actually over in the shopping center down the road here where uh, Barnes & Noble is. Actually, it was right in front of where Barnes & Noble is now. And, and, and me and this other young guy, we were because we were both young guys back then, um, <laughs> we're walking through the, 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 the uh, shopping center there through the parking lot and handing out little pamphlets to people, telling them that Jesus loves you and stuff. And we passed this guy. This guy was a big guy, big, big guy. And the other guy goes to hand this big guy one of these pamphlets. And this guy's wonderful, gracious response was, blank you, blank, and then described my friend in very um, unkind words, kind of calling his manhood into question, if I could, I don't know how else to put it. And so he was devastated. Now, he aimed that at both of us. And I said to the other guy, I said, what do you care what he thinks? We don't know this guy. Now, if my wife was to say something like that to me, <laughs> or, or one of my relatives or somebody on staff or somebody here in this church, it would have a little bit more sting, yes? Yes, yes or no? But we've got to come to, and, and of course, you know, if you take that stuff to heart, it's going to bother you, it's going to affect you. And so my point is, because I had no relational connection to that individual, what do I care what he said? I didn't know him before we got to the shopping center. I didn't know him afterwards. He's not adding anything to my life. I'm not going to let him take anything away from my life. <laughs> However, some of us are affected even tonight in our soul by decisions that people that are very close to us made. Now, you're going to have to make a decision. If you're going to live in stability, say that again, stability. stability. Turn to somebody say stability. stability. If you're going to live in stability, you're going to have to make the choice of whether you're going to allow that to affect you or if you're going to let it go, forgive, and move on. Well, pastor, that's easy for you to say. Because um, some of you might be thinking about a person that puts you in debt for $25,000. Some of you may have made loans to people and never paid you back. Well, I'm talking to somebody tonight. Somebody might, somebody might have really disappointed you, and, and that stuff has stuck with you. And if you're not careful, see, like the Israelites, they lived in Egypt for all those years, and they were under taskmaster, and, and their whole culture was a culture of slavery. It was something that was done to them. They were victims of the decisions that were made about their lives that they had no control over. So now you see, as we continue to study the book of Exodus over these next weeks and, and possibly months, you're going to see that that affected their ability to relate to God when they come out of Egypt and now they're having a hard time with a father over them. They're having a hard time with 
authority over them because they just got burned for 400 years. And so it's taken God now to bring them all through this adventure in the wilderness for them to get to the place where they could start to trust them. But the unfortunate thing is we're going to find out at the end of the 40 years, there's only two left of the original two and a half million that came out of Egypt that actually walked in such a way that trusted God. Do you want stability in your life? Then we have to face some realities. Now, the other part of reality that we have to develop in our lives if we're going to have relationship is the reality of the presence of God in your life. Not just the reality of you facing the facts that you might have set yourself up. You might have. And you know what it hurts worse? I don't know if you've had this experience. I'm sure you've had. When you get involved in a relationship that you knew on the inside God was warning you about to begin with. Uh-oh. And you got involved anyway because you weren't listening to him because you thought this was going to be, this is the one. But pastor, you don't understand. No, I don't. And obviously, neither do you because you're going full force into this thing that's going to blow up in your face. But let's backtrack. Let's, let's get over to where we're supposed to be. The level of stability that you're going to have in your life is going to be in direct proportion to the level of reality that you're experiencing in the presence of God. How real is he to you? Now, let me give you some hints here, or a couple of tools maybe you can use. If you are in the habit of saying stuff like this, well, God never talks to me. I never feel God's presence. I, know, I don't feel like God's real to me. I don't feel like God's with me. You are getting the results of what you continuously are saying. You see, what you're doing, you're convincing yourself. So even if you get a little whisper from God, and let me just give you that hint, it's usually a whisper. Very rarely is it a burning bush. Very rarely is it an earthquake. Very rarely is it six angels spinning over your bed. It's usually a whisper. A whisper. And, you, and it's on the inside. It's not coming from the outside. It's on the inside. But you know what? Let me spend a few minutes on this because this is important because there's no use going anywhere else if we don't get this one down because the first step to establishing stability in your life is reality, the reality of his presence. Listen, I want you to really pay attention to what I'm going to share with you right now. Most of you that have been in this church for a while, you've heard me talk about this multiple times. But for those that are newcomers here tonight, learn to practice the presence of God. That is a key thing to you actually learning how to hear his voice. Learn to practice the presence of God. How do I do that, Pastor? When you're driving in your car and you're by yourself, turn the radio off. Don't, don't put music on. Practice the presence of God. You're driving. The front seat's empty next to you. Begin to practice the presence of God. How? Talk to him. 
People are going to think I'm crazy. No, they're going to think you're on your Bluetooth. <laughs> How many times have you passed somebody in the corner? <laughs> They're having a fantastic conversation with somebody that's not sitting there. At least, no, listen, this, I mean, you think I'm crazy, but listen, at least you're talking to somebody whose presence is there. Why? Because he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you always. And what he has to say to you is much more important than the person that you're talking to on the phone. Practice the presence of God. That's crazy. No, that's faith. Because you in faith are speaking, believing and trusting that he's there to listen to you. Most of you know, you've heard me tell this story many times and when I was in the restaurant business. I mean, I didn't do this once or twice. This was ongoing practice. I would get to my restaurant early in the morning before any of my employees got there. I would go to my table in my dining room in the restaurant where I usually did my bills, put my menus together. I would go get myself a cup of coffee out in the coffee area. I would get two cups of coffee. I, to this day, don't know if he likes it with sugar or cream. Or... <laughs> I would get two cups of coffee. I would have mine. I would put the other cup on the other side of the table. I would get my Bible, and I'd say, Lord, good morning. I want to spend time with you. Before I get involved in this crazy day, before I start trying to figure out how I'm going to pay my bills, before the phone starts ringing and this waitress calls in sick and the other person can't come in and the cook burns his hand, before I get on all this craziness, Lord, I want to spend time with you. Speak to me from your word. Open up my eyes that I will see wondrous things in your word. Grant unto me, Father, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Are you listening to me? Because listen, there's going to come a time, and honestly, most of us are probably already there, where you're going to realize if you're going to get something from God, you're going to have to go get it for yourself. I know some of us don't like to hear it, and especially if you come from the same denominational background that I come from, you're already, your mind has been programmed to think, well, it's the priest's job. He, he'll go to God. He'll get what I need. You hear what I'm saying? So if you come from that same Roman Catholic background that I came from, it took me a few years to get that stuff out of my head. It's like, I, I, it's not the pastor's job. It's not the minister's job. I have a relationship myself with God Almighty, the creator of the universe. His spirit lives inside me. I can contact him 24-7 anytime I need. I don't need to go light a candle. I don't need to go rub beads. I don't need to go sit there and listen to have a priest intercede for me. I am the priest of my household. You listen, and I'm, I don't say that out of arrogance, and I don't say that, I'm just saying out of this is the position that Christ has placed us in as believers, as children of God, as members of the body of Christ. You have your own priesthood. You can go to him anytime. 
When you mess up, you don't have to go sit in a box with a screen and talk to somebody, okay? You go right, you eliminate the middleman. And then anybody in business, your goal throughout life is to eliminate the middleman. Go direct to the producer. Go direct to the manufacturer. You don't have to go sharing the profits with anybody. Are you listening to me? So, the, and, the, and listen, the more you practice that presence, the more the reality of God in your life is going to become real. And then it becomes just knee-jerk reaction. When something comes against your mind, the lies trying to start penetrating your mind, or an attack comes against your health or your finances or your family or whatever, you don't start looking, uh, who can I call to pray for me? Now, that's okay to do that. You know, Jesus taught us about praying together and told us to bear each other's burdens, and he gave us the power of the prayer of agreement where we two of us can believe together for something to be done. But it's so much more real, and it's so much better and it's so much purer when you know that you got in and God has heard your voice and your cry and heard your plea and is now listening to you and he answers your prayer and you walk away going, I got this. You listening to me? And nobody can rob that from you. Now just think about it. The original, we talk about original sin. Okay, if you come from the background, I came back, original sin, okay? Now, we say, you know, in, in that denominational circle, the original sin was what Adam did. No, honestly, you look back, you trace it back. The original sin is what the devil did. And the devil's goal was to interrupt exactly what I just explained to you. They had a face-to-face -face relationship with the creator of the universe. They had intimacy with him. I mean, whenever you can get naked in front of somebody, you've got a close relationship. And they were naked before him. And they had no sense of that nakedness. It didn't create any, any intimidation. Not until after sin came in. So what has the devil always been after? See, you can find out some of these motives if you go way back to the, to the precedent, to the first time that person shows up. And first, in this case here, when the enemy showed up, what was his goal? Destroy that relationship between man and woman and God. And he succeeded. He succeeded for a little while. He succeeded. They no longer felt comfortable in his presence. So would you agree, once sin came in, they lost consciousness of their relationship with God. And so now we start to see instability come into the human experience. Why? Because they lost that reality. How do we know that? Because as soon as God shows up on the scene when they sinned, the first thing Adam does is he acts out of uncertainty of where their relationship is. Adam, where are you? Now, listen, I don't think that was the first time that Adam heard that. I think, because it, it, it seems to hint that on a daily basis, God, at a specific time, met with them every day. And so it's like, hey, Adam, where are you? Come on, it's time for us to get together. I brought the coffee. But this time, when Adam heard that voice, he couldn't respond like he did all the other times. Why? Because he lost awareness and he lost that sense of reality that here he is face-to-face -face with his creator. 
And all of a sudden, Adam can't show up. Where are you? I hid because I'm naked and I was afraid. There's no stability there. Previously, there was stability in that relationship. And all God has been doing since that moment till now is to try to, on a one-to-one basis with every human being on this planet, to try to restore that relationship back again. And he wanted to show us how serious he was by sending his own son to come to this earth that by him being crucified and shedding his blood, it's like God saying, can you, can you please finally realize how much I love you? And would you finally realize how much I'm not mad at you anymore? I'm not looking to hunt you down so I could punish you. I'm hunting you down so I could bring you to this reality of this cross to show you because I love you, I did this to him. Now, he did what he could with Adam and Eve, and he showed the seriousness of the situation by performing the first animal sacrifice right on the spot. Because when the whole thing got exposed and the sin was exposed and Adam's blaming Eve and Eve's blaming the snake and the snake's like, I'm a snake. What did you expect? And so God now kills animals takes their skins, and covers Adam and Eve so that they would realize the seriousness of what they did. But it only pointed to the the time when the Lamb of God would show up on the earth. And all that was, you know, we say, well, you know, Jesus had to die to satisfy the wrath of God. Yeah, but that's not all of it. The Bible tells us in Romans that he demonstrated, demonstrated, demonstrated demonstrated his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, the godly for the ungodly. You catching this? So, so we want stability. God wanted stability for Abraham's descendants. God wanted stability for the people of the nation of Israel. And so think about this, because you see, the Hollywood movies don't show you this. Because people, even today, even, even today, Judaism, Judaism today celebrates that time, the Passover. This is the time that God established the nation of Israel. That's not true. God didn't tell Moses, go get my people because I want you to establish the nation of Israel. God said, go to Pharaoh. We're going to see it. No, not tonight, obviously, but we're going to see it. <laughs> God's instruction to Moses was, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go that they may worship me. Why? Because that's the first step to the reality of his presence, which is going to bring you stability. I don't know about you, but when I came out of Egypt, I'll explain that to you. When I came out of Egypt, the thing that became the most real to me in my church experience was I could not wait to get there. Yeah, I wanted to hear the message, but I could not wait to get there so that I could stand there like this and just worship God. And, and stand there, and, and, and you can ask my wife, you can ask people that knew me back then. For six months straight after I received Christ, I cried like a baby in every service. Somebody came up to me one time and said, listen, don't feel bad, man. You're in the rinse cycle. 
Now listen to me. When we get born again, that should be the most important thing to us. Can you shut this thing down? Because I want to walk over here, but I don't want this thing in my face. Thank you. Listen. The most important aspect of your life as a believer should be worship. It should be worship. Why? That's what he called us. That's what he created us for. You listening? That's what he created us for. If we could get a glimpse into heaven right now, we'll see the same thing that Isaiah saw when he was translated to heaven and got an open vision and saw what was going on. Angels, angels, there's angels. Their only job is to circle the throne and say only one thing, holy, holy, holy. They're still doing it. And they'll do it for all of eternity. Say it with me, holy, holy, holy. And so when we get born again, we should get filled with such a gratitude, such a thing that it's just, all I wanted to do was worship. All I wanted to do was worship. I'd worship in the car, worship in the shower, worship on my job, worship. You, people that came to my job after I got born again thought it was absolutely crazy because I would have worship, worship music blasting in the back room of my business, in the back room in the restaurant, in the deli, wherever I was. Just, just worship music blasting, right? Why? Because I know he took me out of Egypt, took me out from under the Pharaoh, the taskmaster, Satan, the slave master, and put me in the promised land. The most important aspect of your life as a Christian, now I'm setting you up here, so get ready. The most important aspect of your life as a Christian, as a believer, as a member of a church is worship. Worship. So let me ask you a question if that's true. Is it true? Yes. How many of you believe it's true? What time does the service start on, on Sunday morning? What time should you be here? How about 9.20? What time, is it? what time does the second service start? What time should you be here? Walking in at... And I know... Look, I'm not... Just, just say this again with me. Come on, so I have the freedom. I love my pastor. Go ahead. You know the rest. Go ahead. Because he tells me the truth, whether it hurts or not. And why are you walking in at quarter to 12? Come on now. What are you you doing? Look, we raised four kids. I know how difficult it is to get them all in line, get them in the car, not kill them on the way to church, (laughs) get them in here, get them in their classrooms. I understand that. But make arrangements for that. Why? You see what you're doing? If if that's a habit for you, it's, it's, it's probably because you haven't you have not received the awareness of what worship means and why we put it first in the service because it's the only thing that we have to offer to God. Everything else in the service is for us. Are you listening? Yes. And don't wait till Sunday to worship. Don't wait till Saturday night. What time's the service on Saturday night? What time should you be here? I like that. You listening? Why? 
I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, t- I'm challenging you. If that's been a problem for you, I'm challenging you to do this. Start showing up intentionally 15 minutes before the service starts with an attitude of like, I, am gonna get, I wanna get as close to the front as possible. I, wanna, I'm gonna, I can't wait for the music to start because I wanna lift my hands. I'm gonna shout. I'm gonna clap. I am gonna rejoice in the God, my Savior, who has taken me out of darkness and brought me into the light. I'm telling you, you do that, you watch how the reality of the presence of God is going to go in your life. Why? Because there's a principle in the Word of God that many Christians have no idea about, and if they did, they forgot about it. In the book of Psalms, it tells us that he inhabits the praises of his people. You, and you're walking around, I never, I never sense the presence of God. God never talks to me. I never sense the reality of are you praising? Are you worshiping? Yeah, and literally in Hebrew, it says he comes and sets up a house in those who praise him. In other words, in other words, back in the olden days, when a man and a woman come together and decide they're going to get married, and they would start buying stuff. They didn't wait to go on the register, which is nothing wrong with that. But they would, they would put a list together. Okay, we need dishes. We need pots and pans. We need curtains. We need towels. We need sheets. We need whatever. Forks, knives, plates, pots, pans. For what reason? You're going to set up house. Why? Because this isn't a casual visit you're planning. You're actually going to set up house and become a family. And that family, because it's based on love, is going to start reproducing others like that. And it's the same idea of what God is intending to do when you will come and begin to worship and get to praise him and begin to celebrate his goodness and his faithfulness and start talking about his worthship, what he's worth to you. You'll start coming to church with that kind of an attitude, I'm telling you. God will become so real to you. The Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you through the worship. And, you, and I, hope, I hope those of you that will do that will have that experience like that. I hope you're back there blubbering like a little baby, just sobbing and crying in the presence of God. You want stability in your life? Get vulnerable. You want stability in your life? Start becoming transparent. Start becoming real. Start, start conducting yourself. Start practicing the presence of God. He's with you. He's in you. He wants the best for you. He has been preparing things for you before you were even conceived. He put things in motion. He put things on, on hold. That if you'll follow on his path, you'll get to enjoy some of these things that he's put aside for you before the foundations of the earth, before your parents even knew each other. The reality of his presence. That's what this is about. It's about us coming together as a group of believers and being determined, I'm going to hear from God. Some of you have heard tonight. Some of you have heard from God tonight. He's spoken to you specifically about certain things in your life. It's because we came intentionally. You have to be intentional about this. You know, we, we, we try to, like I said, we're in the New Testament now. We're in the age of grace, and everything is wonderful. And we don't have to follow rules and regulation. No, we don't, but we should follow patterns. We should follow patterns. Now, we're called kings and priests in this age that we live in. 
you can present yourself before God just like the high priest did in the Old Testament on behalf of your marriage, on behalf of your family, on behalf of whatever. You have the right to enter into that presence. And he told you to come in boldly, boldly before this throne of grace. Okay? But you look back in the Old Testament, and they prepared themselves. Man, this is really different tonight. I don't even know why I put these notes together. Listen, they were intentional about how they were going to prepare themselves to come in to worship. They didn't just stroll in, hey, hey, God, how you doing? Now, I'm going to say something. I'm going to explain it because I don't want somebody going to the opposite extreme with things. The priest, before he could appear before the presence of God, had to dress himself a certain way. Now, that's a natural illustration of we're supposed to prepare our soul. But what, what, don't you mean spirit? No, our spirit's already perfected in the sight of God. Any problems you're having are not coming from your spirit. Any problems you're having, issues that you have, unresolved things, they're not in your spirit, they're in your soul. Your soul can be changed, it can be transformed, it can be renewed. And so you prepare yourself. And Well, pastor, how do I prepare myself? Well, well, let me give you something practical. On a Sunday morning or a Saturday night and you come to service and we're going to have worship together. You make an intentional effort that before you get out of your car, you pray something like this. Father, it's been a blank of a week. Yet I am intentional about leaving my problems, my issues, the things that are bothering me, my crazy kids, my stupid husband, my whatever. I'm not going to bring the memories of what my boss did to me this week. I'm going to purposefully and purposely leave that stuff in the trunk of the car. When I walk in that place, I'm coming in prepared to worship you. I'm going to thank, I don't care what happened today. I don't care what happened this week. I don't care if your life has been like a, a country song. Your dog died, the boat sank. <laughs> you, in, you be intentional. Listen to me. You be intentional about preparing yourself because you're going to be before the king. Amen. And I'm coming in. And I'm not, I'm not coming to get. I'm coming to bring. Amen. And you prepare yourself and you see the reality of the presence of God skyrocket in your life. Why? Because you became intentional. You're coming to the king. You don't come to the king empty-handed. And I'm not talking about money. Right away, well, yeah, he's going with the offering. I'm not talking about money. There's a lot of people that put money in, but their heart is outside. You bring your heart. You bring your praise. And I might be going out of the limb here. You don't even bring your prayer request at that time. You bring your sacrifice of praise, which is thanksgiving. We're told to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Where? In our hearts. I'm just talking about practical stuff here tonight. You want to sense the presence of God? Be intentional. Let me tell you something. I thank God. Oh, my God, I thank God. for I didn't know any better, but the, the, the Lord just taught me about this stuff. And there are even today, 35 years later, I'll be standing over there. I'll have my hands up and worship. And, and sometimes if, if everything's cool and everything's going on all right and, I, and I'm allowed to worship without concern or worry, 
I'd get caught up in there, and I literally, I'm not telling you, you might think I am crazy nutcase, but listen to me. There are certain times where I'll be standing there, and my body is there. But the reality of where I am, I am at that temple in Jerusalem. And I am walking up those steps with my hands raised. Why? I am going to see the king. I am coming to bring a sacrifice. I'm, and, and, and listen, you know, we all have things that are going on. And, 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 you know, how many of you wake up with a pain every once in a while in the morning? Okay? But you know what? Then you become intentional and say, oh, no, no, no. You can rage all you want, pain. I'm not paying attention to you. I'm going to worship my God. I'm going to worship my God. I'm telling you. I am challenging you. Be intentional about worship. All right, we got to go. But listen, one more thing. How many of you, and I'm not trying to trap anybody. I'm just trying to get an idea whether I should even go any further. How many of you come to church here on the weekend? Let me see your hands. Okay. How many of you usually come to the 930 service? Please, please consider either coming to Sunday night or coming to the 1130 service. What did I say? Well, you know what I meant. You made me waste like 14 seconds trying to figure that one out. Okay. Please consider coming Saturday night at the 6 o'clock service because there's still some seats available. 9.30 is mobbed. And we don't want you to have to get stuck in the lobby. Okay? So please, if it doesn't matter. Now, if that's the only time you can come, please come. I'll give you my seat if I have to. I don't care. You can sit over there. with me. Okay? But if you can, please, if you can. You know, we're in that time period where everybody's come back to church again because everybody got the sand out of their toes and <laughs> their suntan all peeled. So, so you, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So, so, so it's crowded again. On the, on the, yeah, it's a good problem to have. But if you can please, please, uh, if you can come to the 1130 service, come to the 1130 service. If you can come to Saturday night service at 6 o'clock, come to Saturday night service, okay? All right? Please, if you can. Try to be flexible with that. And then the other thing, and then I'll be done for tonight. When you get in your seat, would you stop having to sit on the end? The seats in the middle are just as comfortable. Okay? Because then the ushers have got to tap on your shoulder to tell you to move in, and you get an attitude because you don't want to move. I'm talking real. I used to sit there too. This is my seat. How dare they sit in my... What, has it got your name on it? You got the receipt? Did you pay for that seat? No, but see, these are some of the stupid things that block people. Because now you're all mad. In worship, you're like this. But inside, you're going, that person, is, they're sitting in my seat. <laughs> and then you expect to feel the presence of God. And the angels in heaven are going, just let me nuke one of them. <laughs> just one so that the rest of the congregation will get scared and they'll do it. All right, listen, did you get anything tonight? You glad you came?
Now listen, if there's anybody here tonight that you have not taken that step yet of praying a simple prayer to ask Jesus to come into your life, to be your Lord, to be your Savior, please, your, your eternal destination is dependent upon that prayer. And if you've never prayed that prayer, but you still in your heart believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, and you truly believe that God raised him from the dead, there's nothing stopping you from receiving salvation. You believe everything you need to believe to take the next step, say that prayer, seal the deal, so that if God forbid anything was to happen to you, you would find yourself immediately in the presence of God. I mean face to face. So please, if you've never prayed that prayer, before you leave tonight, come up front here. There'll be people standing up here and just say to them, listen, I want to pray that prayer. I want Jesus to be my Savior. Okay, listen, if you, if you make him Savior now, you don't have to worry about meeting him as judge later. Amen. If you don't make him Savior now, the next time you meet him, he's going to be your judge. It's just the truth of the word. Amen? Amen. If anybody needs prayer for anything, please come up here. The people up here will pray for you. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming out. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.